The Crude Life with Jason Speed. Week in Review. My name is Jason Spees. Thank you, folks, for joining us. We're going to get right into today's topic because there are things at stake, like you wouldn't believe elections coming up. We have candidates trying to ban oil and gas. We've got candidates trying to increase oil and gas. We've got people of all kinds of opinions flying left and right. So what we're going to do is we're going to bring in Brandon Davis, the CEO of Swan Energy, along with Tim Travis and Imran Khan. They are also with Swan Energy. We've got operations and we've got geology as well. So we've got a good mix of characters today to talk about the November election, how it's going to impact the energy industry and shale play USA. Also, Paul Myers with Legacy Wealth Management. He opines a little bit that politics and oil shouldn't mix. So we've got a good little balance today on the program talking about how politics is impacting the oil and gas industry. And then on the flip side, how they shouldn't mix it all, like oil and water just should stay far apart. Like editorial and advertising, that's how it works in the media business. Church and state, that's another thing that they talk about. So, boy, we got a jam-packed show. I don't know about you folks, but I want to get right into it. My name is Jason Spees. This is the Crude Life Week in Review, our website thecrudelife.com if you'd like to check out our social media pages and other links that we have available there but I as a sound guy ready let's get right into mining money here and we're going to do extended mining money today to talk a little bit more about what's going on with the money oil and gas and the upcoming election this is Brandon Davis Tim Travis and Imran Khan of Swan Energy time now for mining money this is Tim Travis of Swan Energy Vice President of Operations. Imran Khan, Swan Energy. Brandon Davis, Swan Energy. Thank you, gentlemen, for joining us today. We're going to go right to the mailbag today in our mining money segment here, and we want to find out what's going on. You know, this I get this probably emailed more than anything, uh, is this ESG movement. I've talked to some operators. Uh, one of them mentioned they were switching their ESG report, part of their annual shareholder deal from 45 pages to 90 pages. I've talked to bankers that say that, oh yeah, you need it, but they don't know how to implement it. I, I just got an uh, email this morning from a professor down at Texas A&M that was debunking this whole ESG movement. So you got you know BP and Exxon and the big guys trying to talk about the ESG movement. But on the other side, deals are still needing to be done, and financing still needs to be, be had. I got kind of intrigued last week when you brought up this great bank loan you got from, uh, or this, this rate that you got to do some financing. That's been a big problem for people. So I thought we'd kind of mesh the two together, see what your guys' thought is about this ESG movement, because you guys are out there getting deals done when a lot of people can't. And that's really important right now. So. I don't know uh, which one of you wants to take the ESG baton first, but ESG stands for Environmental uh, Social Governance, and it is 
a very new sort of a movement that's kind of, in my opinion, being led by a 16-year-old girl. So uh, you guys can handle that. I, 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 I'll, take, I'll take it first, and thank you for telling me what it means because I'd never really heard of it before um, this conversation. I guess I have heard of it um, from people asking, but I had no idea what they were asking about. And uh, the last part of that, we, we say what the S means again? Uh, environmental social governance, so like a social cause. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, we, I, I own my company, um, and... There's no social governance happening here, nor will it ever. So I don't care. And if people don't like me and they don't like what we do, they don't have to do business with us. It's that simple. Um, companies that are corporate and changing, you know, doubling the size of their annual report based on what you're saying to accommodate this, that's insane. And I don't know. I, I, I The oil and gas industry has become very environmentally friendly over the years um, and, and more so than most industry and for additional pressure to be put on for more environmentally and socially acceptable things. I just, I, I'm not, I'm not into it. What do you think, Imran? You know, it's, it's all about the, uh, environmentally challenged <laughs> is, is what I, you know, it's, it's good to see these different companies doing what they, they feel their, st- their, their, their shareholders, um, want them to say and do. And, you know, as Brandon just pointed out, he owns his company completely all, hundred percent. So there's no shareholders per se that he needs to make happy around it. Right. Um, yeah, just one of those things that you, you, you hear about, uh, BP and how they're totally, uh, reinventing themselves. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's great for them, you know, whatever, whatever floats their boat. And, you know, when you announce that the day of, uh, you know, when, when you're, um, what, what is that? The profit statement is coming out. And you're losing seventy billion dollars. Yeah, you you talk about ESG, right? I think that yeah. that's that's kind of you know that, yeah. that that says it all right there, right? Yeah, and go waste more money on that. Yeah, yeah it's it's one of those things that it seems like it's you know primary purpose is to make everybody get a little butterflies in their stomach. Um, and in some cases, there are I you know I, I can make an argument that there are instances where focusing a little bit on some ESG, um, you know, public facing ESG at least. Whether or not your internal policy is different, um, regardless. Uh, I mean, you, you get a, like BP is still trying to make up ground with the regulators since the Macondo, right? I mean, they they went on an all out ESG campaign after that just to get some credibility back. Oil and gas in general is just seen as sort of a dirty industry, and it's, it seems like there's been operators that have bought in and have been very overzealous about trying to rebrand themselves. We, you know, we. We've got an oil field services company in Oklahoma, and we we did a lot of work for Newfield, then in Canada, now Aventive, um, and they spent ten fifteen million dollars building a, a recycling facility for for flowback water, produced water, um, basically just to put a a flyer just in to it. Say they had it. Basically, just put a flyer in an investor presentation, and the thing processed a third of the capacity it was supposed to. It was constantly down. Uh, but guess what? They got to put it in a in a brochure and pat themselves on the back for it, and all their you know all the hedge funds and investment banks that backed them all got to feel better about you know them investing in. Yeah. You know when I get butterflies about about the oil business or our business when I see airplanes flying and lights turning on and bottles that hold water and other things, um, computers, computer chips, you know everything that everyone uses every day uh, that comes from a byproduct of 
our business, that, that's what gives me butterflies. So without the oil and gas business, there is no socialization. There's no travel. There's nothing. We can use a horse and carriage. It, it just kind of tells you right there that, you know, people take all that stuff for granted. Yep. Right. It just It's very, you know, it's like, well, yeah, we did that yesterday. Well, what, what are we doing today type of thing? And it's like, you know, let's actually uh, take a moment and appreciate the fact that that's not an easy thing to be able to produce to begin with and well, to be able to have to begin with. Yeah, and I, I think to kind of piggyback on some of the things we've talked about over the last few weeks, too, that, you know, it's a good time to buy right now and with a lot of the distractions that are going on with this ESG stuff, because that's how I really look at it, is it's really kind of a distraction away from the, the, the petroleum industry's future. Because when we look at 93 to 96% of our daily products and, and uses and lifestyle from our toothpaste to our toothbrush to the things that we you know use to get the toothbrush and toothpaste to our house need fossil fuels in some capacity. I just, in my lifetime, if we went down to say 80%, that would be an incredible shift in my lifetime. And that's just what, 15% decrease of our fossil fuel usage. That's how much of our lifestyle is intertwined with this. And Going back 150 years, you know, humans have been getting more green naturally. I mean, we used to burn hay and wood and whales. And when we, when we take a look at, and Imran, you might understand this with, with your background, but when we look at our deviation from carbon to hydrogen, which is cleaner, you know, going away from carbon to hydrogen in terms of a way to burn fuel, we're down to like four molecules with natural gas now. It's extremely clean, and humans have been evolving to become more clean without the use, without the help of uh, Greta Thunberg or the Sierra Club for the last 150 years. So I see this ESG thing almost as kind of like a distraction away from from you know <laughs> getting a good deal right now, as actually kind of getting into it because I don't see oil and gas going anywhere but at least staying where it's at for the next, you know, 5, 10, 15, 20 years. So very long question to ask. Uh, what's your guys' thoughts when it comes to, you know, the ESG and just how much of our lifestyle is based on petroleum products? Brandon, you brought up that earlier, so elaborate on that a little bit more, if you wouldn't mind, from an investment standpoint. Well, I mean, it's, it's everywhere. It's in everything you touch. Um, and if it's not, it's one of the underlying reasons that it got there right this, and that, that's the reality we live in and, and for some gentlemen i'm going to ask you to hold your thought for just a moment or two we're going to take a brief pause when we come back we'll continue the conversation with brandon davis tim travis and imran khan of swan energy my name is jason spies this is the crude life we can review When it comes to making money, they say buy low and sell high. That's what they say. Well, right now is a great time to invest in the oil and gas industry. Almost anyone can invest in the oil and gas industry, and Swan Energy wants to help you out. Their joint venture structure is constructed to protect you during all phases of the partnership process and investment. They offer a direct participation in oil and gas projects to partner approved investors. To find out more information about how you can invest in the oil and gas industry, contact Swan Energy today. Visit their website, swanenergyinc.com. That's swanenergyinc.com. 
Today is a great day to invest in oil and gas. Here we go. Hamburger steaks, holiday ends. That's the kind of world that I live in. Welcome back to The Crude Life Week in Review. My name is Jason Spies. Thank you, folks, for joining us. Coming up next, we continue the conversation with Brandon Davis, the CEO of Swan Energy, along with Tim Travis and Imran Khan, also of Swan Energy. Well, I mean, it's it's everywhere. It's in everything you touch. Um, and if it's not, it's one of the underlying reasons that it got there. Or right. Just... And that, that's the reality we live in. And, and for some, for people to think that we can change that without... Um, massive uh, changes in, in, in the way people live is it, just insane to me. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't understand it. I, I don't. I don't understand it. I'll just say that. Like uh, the whole mindset of uh, well, and and, and yeah, I don't get it. We're, you know, working in the energy industry, and you know, I got a degree in petroleum engineering from the University of Texas Austin, and. Uh, I can tell you that look, we have we have a free market economy, and the reason that we're not all running on solar and wind or geothermal power is because it's just not a viable alternative for hydrocarbons. It's not. The con- nobody thinks about the convenience of being able to pick up a gallon of a liquid gasoline and being able to drive your car thirty miles down the road. It's, so there's so no reason for that. So Jason, you have a petroleum engineer. A chemical engineer and a high school graduate sitting here having a conversation about this, <laughs> and we're all saying the same thing. Just some some of us are more technical than others. Wait, uh, wait, which one's a high school graduate? Because I'm not. No, I'm just. Kidding. Uh, that's me. <laughs> I'm just he, he's got as much. He's got enough hours to have gone and finished college. By the way, he just likes to say that. Just FYI. <laughs> I have no degree. I'm degreeless. It <laughs> won't take the last three-hour course he needs to get. Yeah, more or less. I wish they would take those hours away that I have so I could get further into the... I'll make some phone calls. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what, though? Honestly, you bring up a great, great point, which I, I, I'm going to fold into this, which is when you take a look at some of the most successful entrepreneurs in, in America, whether it be Henry Ford to you know, Steve Jobs, Henry Ford, what an eighth grade education. Steve Jobs dropped out of uh, San, uh, Berkeley and, and Bill Gates dropped out of Harvard. So you don't need an education to, to get it. You know, yeah, you, yeah. I'm sorry, I always tell That's my son that, you know, how to make money. yeah, when you go to school. I figured out how to make money, I quit going to school because I was having to spend money and it cost me money to be there because I wasn't able to work. That's right. The opportunity cost, huh? the opportunity cost was way too high for me. Um, and I was literally in my last semester, literally. Um, anyway, whatever. The uh, uh, let's talk about voting. Have you voted? I have not yet. I have not voted yet. Uh, it's coming up in the next couple of weeks, but we can certainly talk about that because we've had well, a lot of, of people three of us wonder. In the room over here have already voted. Oh yeah, we've got some. You guys you have know, early quite, voting over there. Yeah, we've got early voting and and by the mail and things okay. like that. I just haven't gotten around to it. We're we're, we're doing some other things that um, have kind of taken my attention away, but there's a lot of people focused on the election right now and um, on how, you know, that's going to impact the market. And for me, I'd like to know your opinion on this because I think it's actually holding things up. And I personally, I think Trump's going to win. I don't think it matters who's going to win because um, the oil and gas industry ain't going anywhere no matter who wins. I mean, 
uh, Biden even, I think he flip-flopped on that a little bit. But uh, well, the, the main thing I wanted to talk about was, you know, now that I've already voted, what do I do for the next two weeks? Because I can't turn on the television. I can't read the news because all it is is the social media and people trying to sway votes one way or the other. So you know, I'm kind of, I'm. It's kind of a interesting. Uh, I've never been. I've never voted this early, so. It's kind of a, uh, and I'm holding my breath just to see what happens. There's a lot of money on the sidelines, too. It'd be nice if we get some ESG set up so that you could have a way to switch all that stuff off and turn the, the branding off once you've cast your ballot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we actually, we do some Facebook advertising, um, and we paused it for the entire month of October because the political spending was so high that it was driving our rates up so high we couldn't. We couldn't afford it. Like it was, it blew us, blew us out of the. It basically killed it for us. Um, that's how much money they're spending. It's, it's like the eight figures per campaign per week. It's, it's remarkable. <laughs> and in fact, in the, in a lot of radio stations, you have to have uh, buys way in advance because they only got a certain amount of inventory. And these political ads, they pay top dollar and cash. So there's no collecting. I'm, the I'm not going to tell you who I'm, I'm voting for either, Jason, but. I'm voting for the only candidate that loves this country. That's what I'm doing. The, the, that's who I voted for. Have um, you have you found that people I, out there are are impacted either either waiting or they're investing or not? Have you found that the yes, you know, yeah, Go yes, ahead. lots of people are on the, so lots of people are scared to death that Joe Biden's going to win and it's going to kill the economy. Lots of people are scared of that, um, and then all the haters just don't want Trump to win. So I, I you know, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. I. I I haven't heard anyone tell me that they're voting for um, Donald Trump, but I, a, a lot of that's been implied. I, I know a lot of people who are, um, but I, I've heard a lot of people tell me they're going to vote for Joe Biden, and I always ask What's them. What's the stigma there, by the way? I, it's one question I asked them. I was like, why are you voting for Joe Biden? And yeah. it's either because yeah. they hate Donald Trump um, or he didn't react the right way to COVID-19, but Joe Biden would have because he was telling people, he, you know. They can smarter, go right? back in time and um, replace him. That's, that's the only thing. Those are the only reasons people tell me that they're voting for Joe Biden. I don't understand how someone can vote for someone because they hate someone else. Like the guy can't even put together a damn sentence. It's not a, it's not a vote for Biden. It's a vote against Trump. Yeah. It seems like is the most of the ballots that are being cast for Biden. I just see uh, that's that's, great. That, that's very interesting to me because I, I got in a uh, debate last night uh, with some people about this and. You know, our program's non-political for the most part. We'll talk we'll talk about policy and have policymakers on, but we don't, you know, we don't get into the big sensational part and then the gotcha questions and things like that. If we do talk politics, it's pretty civilized like we're doing right now. And when last night I ended up sticking up for Trump and explaining a few things like they were just ragging on his COVID handling and, and I looked at the people and I said Actually, I disagree with you. I think he's the only one showing any leadership. And they were yep. appalled, and they looked at me, and I said, would you like to read the emails from my kid's superintendent and from the principals who are asking me how to lead the school when they're getting paid to lead the school? Would you like to see the written uh, uh, letters I got from public leaders asking me how I would do their job? I said, whether you like Trump or not, he's the only one making definitive decisions during a time when people need definitive decisions. Anybody can sit back and be a you know backseat driver, but it takes a real leader to actually make decisions right or wrong to move the country ahead. Well, that of course got some people's ires up and then they said, oh, you work in the oil and gas industry, 
so you just love Trump. I said, actually, that's not even close to the truth. I said, the reason that I stick up for Trump is because I'm not afraid of immigrants coming and stealing my job. I'm afraid of my health insurance premium going up. It's those types of things that I'm worried about. And that quieted the room really quick then because, you know, he is the only one showing leadership and he is tackling on some real problems that affect the average person like their, their pocketbook and their insurance premiums and those types of things. So I don't know if you guys want to do anything with that little tirade I just had, but I thought it was interesting because, man, you can't even go to a dinner party now without somebody getting down your throat, you know? Well, and it's, and it's visceral, too. It's not, it's not just a conversation. It's, it's aggressive, and, and I've experienced that, too. And I just laugh at people because it just, you know, it's like you, you're going, you want to silence me is basically what their whole mission is. Well, because they don't have any points on the Because there's no there's agenda no. at all. Gentlemen, I'm going to ask you to hold your thought for just a moment or two. We're going to take a brief pause. When we come back, we'll continue the conversation with Brandon Davis, Tim Travis, and Imran Khan of Swan Energy. My name is Jason Spies. This is the Crude Life Week in Review. The same old guy staying drunk till I die all and jamming for all my friends. That's you, Jason. When it comes to making money, they say buy low and sell high. That's what they say. Well, right now is a great time to invest in the oil and gas industry. Almost anyone can invest in the oil and gas industry, and Swan Energy wants to help you out. Their joint venture structure is constructed to protect you during all phases of the partnership process and investment. They offer a direct participation in oil and gas projects to partner approved investors. To find out more information about how you can invest in the oil and gas industry, contact Swan Energy today. Visit their website, swanenergyinc.com. That's swanenergyinc.com. Today is a great day to invest in oil and gas. The Crude Life with Jason Spies. The Salvation Army band played And the children drank lemonade And the morning lasted all day, all day Through the open window came Like Sinatra in a younger day Pushing the town away, away. Hey, oh, mama, my to the night. Hey, oh, mama, the hey, Life in a northern town. Welcome back to the Crude Life Week in Review. My name is Jason Spies. Thank you, folks, for joining us. Coming up next, we continue the conversation with Brandon Davis, the CEO of Swan Energy, along with Tim Travis and Imran Khan, also of Swan Energy. You know, like you, you're going, you want to silence me is basically what their whole mission is. Well, because they don't have any points on their Because there's no there's agenda no... at all. So like, what you are know, you going to say, Tim? I was just going to say um, it's, it's almost like, you know, it, if people would just kind of let their emotions take a back seat for a minute, take a step back, and COVID-19 has set the whole world on fire. But for the most part, I would, I would venture to say pretty confidently that most people's lives have improved and their financial positions have improved since Trump took office. The economy has crushed it. Period. Everyone's retirement accounts are up. 401ks are up. Uh, jobs are, you know, job unemployment rates down. Uh, you know, it, it's, if you would just get it out of your head that, yeah, he says some dumb stuff on Twitter, 
on every once in a while. <laughs> his cabinet is a revolving door because he can be hard to work with. Like, just, you know, get the... I can get, relate. Get get the celebrity act part of it out of it and just look at what the results are. You know, it, was, it, 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 it this goes back to the ESG thing, but, one, you know, during the Obama administration, um, there was... Uh, the EPA passed a regulation that all cars... They I forget what it was called, but cars would have to meet certain fuel efficiency standards, right? Cars for clunkers. That, that was a program, trading old cars. There's another one that was basically... For every a vehicle manufacturer required so uh, much your right. average efficiency, mm-hmm. yeah, average efficiency, yeah. which is just comical to me, because again, it's, we live in a free market economy, and that would naturally happen anyway. Yeah, through competition. Why would you buy a less efficient Honda Civic when you could get a more efficient Honda Civic? And Honda Honda will be motivated to make their cars more efficient because you're more likely likely to buy them. That's just the way things work. But instead, they pass the you know this legislation so that they could pat themselves on the back, and you know it all it did was make uh, you know these massive car manufacturers which can't just spit in on, on a dime and change business strategies. Um, well, then there were some of them that were cheating with the emissions yeah, and all, all kinds of stuff. That's what happens stuff, when, yeah. you, I mean, yeah. Or the, you know, the Europeans who can do no wrong. Oh, yeah. 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 That was yeah. funny when they got caught. It was. <laughs> the Europeans, by the way, if you looked at how they've done with their ESG movement, their green movement, I know Germany, they're, in Germany is the model for, you know, green energy. And their their electric bills and their energy bills are four times what they're supposed to be, and they had to fire up the coal plants anyways, and what they call green you know, is burning biofuel, which is burning trees. It's it's it's, it's So, remarkable. yeah, right, which makes a lot of sense, right? Let's cut down the forest so we can have energy when we don't need to. Right. But um, it, it's it's amazing to me. And, and, and Germany has the largest, the largest movable piece of equipment on the earth, on planet Earth. It's called the Bagger 288, and it's uh, for coal mining. The thing is just, it's insanity. If you watch Westworld... Uh, oh, yes, the big spinny thing. I've seen it. Yes, that's, cool. that's an actual machine. And We need one like way. that, like a mini version of that for our gold mine. We need, we need to find one. Um, it would help a lot. <laughs> I, well, I was going to say, though, like, you know, I think about this whole thing with California and the, getting the, cat, the gas car thing and... The twenty thirty five. Yes, yeah. but what I what I want to know is how the how people that are you know on in poverty levels today, if if, if we could fast forward to twenty thirty five and say all the cars were electric, what's their electric bill going to be? Like how much is it going to increase people's home electricity bill if all uh, you know all cars and all moving objects are essentially using that same power grid to power their vehicles? Uh, it's going to double and triple cost, and that's this thing that people haven't thought. Oh, that's it's great for the environment, but you know it's going to double our homeless population um, every six months. How's it? How's it sourced? No, exactly. it's not. I'm just. I'm. I was yeah. being. No, exactly. But to, the, to that point, the electricity has to be generated from somewhere. Yep. And you can do it. I mean, there's clean sources. Geothermal energy is one. Wind, solar. But what I think a lot of people just totally miss on is the fact that. The amount of infrastructure that would be required—it's it, just—it's not—it's not feasible. I mean, you know, when the wind's not blowing, uh, you know, your air conditioner doesn't work, and the ventilators at the hospital don't work, and that can't happen. There has to be a constant, consistent energy supply, and you just 
don't get that with most widely available quote unquote clean energy sources. That all take products made by byproducts of oil and gas. Yes. Well, so, what 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 I think needs be able to build them without it. <laughs> One of the reasons why I think that uh, Trump is actually doing a very good job leading and uh, is getting the backlash he is is because he's trying to redirect the narrative. Right now, the narrative is that we got 10 years on this planet and we're all dead. That's, that's what I heard last night over and over again, that we have 10 years. That They're naming 10 years now. That's the catastrophe, and that's exciting. And and l l I, I know, know I'm like I mean I, I'm going to go max my. Look, there would be nothing nothing better for me, Jason, than to know when I'm going to die. And if it's ten years from yesterday, I'm going to live it up. That's all I'm I good. kept thinking about too. Is that if you're telling me I got ten years left, I, uh, Bora Bora, Hawaii, I don't you care name it. About the environment anymore at all? Exactly. I'm just saying. The environment. That's the last me. thing on my mind. I'm going to enjoy myself because exactly. if it's ten years away, we can't save it. And that was Brandon Davis, Tim Travis, and Imran Khan of Swan Energy. It's a weekly segment, Mining Money, that we have here on The Crude Life. We went into extended periods today with the interview. But if you'd like to check out the full-length interview and other Mining Money segments, go to thecrudelife.com, click on Mining Money. We've got all the past interviews right there as well as other exclusive interviews and social media pages and videos and all kinds of different things at thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. Coming up next, Paul Myers with Legacy Wealth Management. My name is Jason Spies. This is the Crude Life Week in Review. People started talking Just to hear their own voice those people tried to accuse my father, said he made the wrong choice. Though it might be painful, you know the time will always tell. Those people have long since gone, my father never failed. Even when the rain falls. Even when the flood starts rising, even when the storm comes, I am washed by the water. Even when the rain falls, even when the flood starts rising, even when the storm comes, I am washed by the water. Even when the earth crumbles under my feet Even when the ones I love Turn around and crucify me I won't ever ever let you down I won't fall, I won't fall The Crude Life is sponsored in part by... When it comes to making money, they say buy low and sell high. That's what they say. Well, right now is a great time to invest in the oil and gas industry. 
Almost anyone can invest in the oil and gas industry, and Swan Energy wants to help you out. Their joint venture structure is constructed to protect you during all phases of the partnership process and investment. They offer a direct participation in oil and gas projects to partner approved investors. To find out more information about how you can invest in the oil and gas industry, contact Swan Energy today. Visit their website, swanenergyinc.com. That's swanenergyinc.com. Today is a great day to invest in oil and gas. The Crude Life with Jason Spears. Welcome back to the Crude Life Week in Review. My name is Jason Spies. Thank you, folks, for joining us. Coming up next, Paul Myers with Legacy Wealth Management. I will tell you this. I was pretty tickled to see that the uh, production in North Dakota here within the last couple of days has been reported to be over a million barrels a day uh, back up to that range again. That's pretty good. As I understand, the of North Trails the state of Texas in terms of daily uh, production in oil, I believe, and that that's a good thing. You know, in North Dakota, we're we're basically a small town, rural. Um, Everybody seems to know everybody else, and it's good to see North Dakota gaining a good, strong foothold again. I was very surprised, though, Jason. I have to tell you, I was very surprised to see Lynn Helms, uh, who holds a pretty big position in terms of our natural resources in the state of North Dakota, saying that oil production is really all about the political aspect of the general election coming up. I was very surprised to hear him say that, and I think it it tends to perpetuate a trend, kind of the politis- politization. That's hard to say. Politicalization of the uh, of the oil industry. I think uh, I think we've gone too far in that direction, and I'm not sure what you think about that, but that's my opinion. I'm glad you brought that up. I actually had that down as one of my questions. We're a non-political program. We're non-polarizing. That doesn't mean that we don't talk about regulations. We don't have politicians on, but. What we try not to do is we try not to get into bombastic uh, sensationalism, that sort of thing. You, of course, you're like I say, you were a former educator on the school board, so you know you've got a little bit more of a, you know, a different perspective than the average person. And I'm glad you brought up the Lynn Helms thing because I wanted to bring it up from your your volunteer, your government standpoint. That's unusual, isn't it, for a regulator to kind of get that political? Well, it, it is a little unusual, although in North Dakota, let's face it, uh, the oil industry and the uh, political business of government have uh, gotten to the be, be to the point almost of being joined at the hip. Uh, there's a lot of money that flows back and forth between those two, and as we know, uh, money sometimes makes things happen. And uh, I would say that there's little doubt that the, the two are becoming closer and closer all the time. It's kind of a shame because, you know, oil is not about politics. It, it shouldn't be anyway. It's about producing the best we can, taking care of the land and conserving our resources where we can and and hopefully uh, strengthening the, the state coffers as far as revenue from taxes and so on. And and I, uh, I was a little surprised. Basically, uh, Lynn said that if the election turns out one way, uh, there won't be any more drilling in the state of North Dakota. And, uh, you know, that seems to be kind of an extreme attitude. Uh, I don't think that's going to happen. And, and I would hope that we can keep politics and oil separate. 
This reminds me of what the agriculture industry went through, the farmers specifically. You know, growing up on, you know, for me, I grew up in ag, and you're on the east side of the state, so you understand ag pretty well just from osmosis. Sure. If, if you didn't have family members a part of the ag industry. You know, pe- people forget that in, in, you know, North Dakota, Fargo is the largest city, and, you know, Fargo, Grand Forks, Wahpeton pretty much make up 60 to 65% of the population of the state. So most of the voting power if not all the voting powers over on the east side of the state, and that's five hours away from the nearest oil rig. So there's a little bit of a disconnect. And well, you know, there, there's that's true, Jason. Uh, there there are more people perhaps on the eastern part of the state. However, the uh, you know this being a good uh, democracy, uh, I think the majority of the people have to have to take into account the rest of the people too. And and you know I don't I would hope there's nobody in politics on the eastern half of the state who believes that uh, the western half uh, isn't just as important or more so. Because, you know, right now, oil has been uh, a big driving factor for keeping the state going economically. But what I hope is, you know, let's face it, the whole country has become much more partisan, much more divided. And that's really a shame. We need to, we need to remember that we are the United States of America. And we together. And I, I got to tell you, I'm just as guilty as everybody else. When I see something that I don't like, I tend to become a partisan. And and that's a shame. We need, well, to, uh, and, we need to pull together. And that's why this is a slippery slope here, because um, I, I brought up, you know, Fargo's, you know, very, you know, it gets voted as one of the most liberal cities in the nation. So if, if you've got a state who's you know, government is getting 10 or I'm sorry, 50 to 60 percent of its revenue from two oil and gas taxes, the extraction tax and the production tax. You take a look at their general fund and about 50 to 60 percent of the um, uh, general budgets based on those two taxes. So if we're getting oil and gas to be that political and North Dakota is, as, you know, as as it is, that's that's a dangerous slippery slope that we're going down and i want to get back to that agriculture thing and then you can chime in on that little sure. that that hand grenade i decided to leave on the ground and let die but um <laughs> no is that you know there was a time when the farm you know my my family's farmers so i got to listen to a lot of the farmers complain about the grocery stores replacing the farmers and you know i think the energy industry is going through that right now where a lot of people especially the youth really do not understand the amount of energy coal provides, the amount of energy natural gas provides. And it's easy to, you know, pick and, and choose and, and get in the planet of platitudes and say, oh, let's get rid of this and let's get rid of that. And so there's a little bit of a disconnect to where people just think the energy comes from a light switch now. And much, yeah. yeah, go ahead and take that wherever direction you want to go. Well, and of course, uh, the energy that we all consume is a very complex uh, grid of providers and resources and transporters and and people who basically have to come together and make it work so that we can all enjoy the fruits of the energy, the fruits of the ag industry. Uh, you know, farmers are the backbone of North Dakota, and they have been for the last 150 years, and I suspect they will be for the next 150 years. Our, our ag producers are you know, they feed the country, they feed the world. And that's, 
That's a pretty amazing accomplishment. Our energy has risen uh, and fallen over the last uh, 30 years or so. It's up and down, and right now it's somewhat up. Um, we all, what we all need to see is a rise in energy prices so that it becomes wild to, to pump that oil out of the ground. And uh, at a certain amount of, you know, the price per barrel is, has gotten way too cheap. And uh, if you listen to our radio show investment talk on Sunday mornings, uh, we talk about that a lot. And, and not everybody realizes it. They think, well, isn't it good if the price of oil is down or the price of uh, ag products is down? And the answer is no, uh, it isn't that good. Uh, yeah, we don't want to see gas at $5 a gallon, but we need to see oil high enough so that so that a producer out there can can make a living pumping it out and so that we can afford to pay the workers in the oil industry what they what they should be paid so we're all in favor of of that i can tell you that and i will tell you jason that my attitude is this uh they're not they're not stopping making cars you know general motors and ford and all those other car companies they're still making cars and we're going to need oil and gasoline to power those vehicles, uh, regardless of what the electric power people would like us to think. To listen to the full-length interview with Paul Myers with Legacy Wealth Management or to check out other exclusive interviews, visit thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. And that's going to do it this week for the Crude Life Week in Review. I'd like to thank you folks for joining us this week. Also like to thank, of course, Paul Myers with Legacy Wealth Management and the host of Investment Talk across the upper Midwest. And, of course, Brandon Davis, Tim Travis, Imran Khan of Swan Energy. Thank you very much for joining us this week. If you'd like to check out any of our exclusive interviews, go to thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. We will be back next week at this time on this radio station. From the staff here at The Crude Life Week in Review, my name is Jason Spies asking you to always remember, energy is more than an industry. It's a way of life. All we need is four wheels A full gas tank and a few miles left Where all the lonesome souls go Who wrote their songs in living And now it's our souls left For the giving we already know how it's done Let's put our lives on 
The Crude Life is sponsored in part by... When it comes to making money, they say buy low and sell high. That's what they say. Well, right now is a great time to invest in the oil and gas industry. Almost anyone can invest in the oil and gas industry, and Swan Energy wants to help you out. Their joint venture structure is constructed to protect you during all phases of the partnership process and investment. They offer a direct participation in oil and gas projects to partner approved investors. To find out more information about how you can invest in the oil and gas industry, contact Swan Energy today. Visit their website, swanenergyinc.com. Dot com. That's swanenergyinc.com. Today is a great day to invest in oil and gas.